Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 2002 to look at Neil Marshall's werewolf action horror movie Dog Soldiers. So let's go down to the woods, let's go to that old barn house to see what's going on, let's play a trailer and I'll be back soon. brutal and purely enjoyable horror debuts since the evil dead genuinely frightening jaws aliens and predator with a werewolf twist Come on! absolutely brilliant thrilling Mind your exciting Scary. I don't scare that easy. And funny. I'm sold. A horror film with bite. You are. Sold! I'm in the closet! A bitch of a werewolf movie. Wait it! Dog soldiers. It'll blow your house down. And welcome back guys, so the synopsis for this film is a routine military exercise turns into a nightmare in the Scottish wilderness. It's an action horror thriller, it's got a 105 minute runtime, and it was made in 2002. It's got 6.8 on IMBD and it's starring Sean Pertwee as Sergeant Harry G Wells and that's right HG Wells, it's a homage to the very famous writer of the Time Machine and War of the Worlds, so there's a little bit of trivia there. And I've also met Sean Pertwee, I met him uptown up in London once, um, had a chat with him, had a good conversation about movies, spoke to him about this film, and also spoke to him about Event Horizon, which is another movie, it was another really good film that he stars in, maybe I might need to cover that on the show. It's also starring Kevin McKidd as Private Cooper, who is the kind of lead guy in this movie. Uh, Emma Gleesby as Megan, Liam Cunningham as Captain Ryan, uh, Thomas Lockyer as Corporal Bruce Campbell, and yeah, that is Bruce Campbell from The Evil Dead, another homage from the director, and Darren Moffat as Spoon, with a spoon, um, just to name just a few actors in this film. It was written and directed by Neil Marshall, and he is a British director, and he made this film for $2 million dollars. And I think it made about $5 million return, so it didn't do massive at the box office. But this film is a cult movie now, it's got a cult following. And um, to be honest with anybody I speak to about this movie, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't really like this movie. Um, instantly when I bring up Dog Soldiers, the quotes come in, uh, the one-liners and all that, and a lot of people compliment on how well written this film is. So, um, you know, all due respect to the director, you know, on this and everybody else that was involved in this movie as well. Um, you know, they've created a real classic movie and that's that's hard to do, you know, it's difficult. You just never know. Um, but, you know, when I speak to a lot of people, they do say it's, some people say it's one of their fa favourite werewolves movies. Or it's um, certainly in their top three. And that is up there with the other classics um, to mention here. You've got American Werewolf in London. The Howling um, and Silver Bullet, just a name, just a few. 
Um, and, you know, whilst I'm on that subject, there isn't really that many werewolf movies kicking around when you're thinking it to compared to the, like, the zombie um, and vampire genre that we've got. You know, we had a massive surge of that. So we're probably due um, another werewolf classic in time. Um, maybe there already is one. Maybe I've missed it. Let me know. Post it on Facebook. Um, but let's go back to Neil Marshall. Um, so, as I said, he's a British director. He is a fan of this genre. It's very evident in this film. I think this was one of his first big movies um, with a big budget. Um, and like I say, he is very notable that he is a fan of Jaws, um, Predator, Aliens. I know he's a big fan of John Carpenter. There we go, I mentioned John Carpenter again. Um, but having not ever spoken to Neil Marshall, but just watching his films, I would guess that he is he's a type of director who is a fan who is making films. He's, make, he's making a film that he would like to see, and especially in this one. Um, the other one he went on to go and do was The Descent, which is pretty good. His most recent film is um, Hellboy. Uh, which he bought out. There's some mixed reviews about that. Here, some people say they like it. I see so some here. Some people say they don't like it, and it's probably got something to do with the um, fan bases from the previous movie. So it's always going to be some big shoes to fill. But I'm hoping to see some good stuff from Neil Marshall in the future. Maybe he might bring us something back like Dog Soldiers in a different sort of genre or something like that. But we'll have to wait and see. But getting back to the movie. Um, so I remember seeing this back in 2002 and it's a time when we still had the VHS rental store, the old blockbuster video store, um, which I've heard a few people say on Facebook, which, you know, the good old days, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's nearly sort of 20 years ago now. And I remember picking it up and I like the look of the front cover and I was very pleasantly surprised. I watched this film and it's very rare for me to actually get to the end of the movie and go oh, I actually really enjoyed that film and to the point I think I did it that night I thought I'm going to rewind that and watch that again that's that good so I think it was a Friday night I set myself up I rewound it got some beers out and really enjoyed the second viewing even on that night and that's just a testament to how good this movie really is and the other thing I was going to mention as well is I it came out of time. I don't think there was that much horror kicking around. Not like the surge of horror that we've got now. There's horror is big on the market, and that's quite a good thing. It's, I'm, I am a fan of horror movies, so that is a good thing. But when Dog Soldiers came out, I think you had a couple of horror hits kicking around. I think it's about the time of Wrong Turn. That was another movie I remember being on the shelf back in Blockbusters. And there was another film, I think someone posted it on Facebook the other day, um, 13 Ghosts. So you had a few horror movies kicking around on the shelf back then. But before I get into this movie, let's talk about the homage, trivia, all that sort of stuff. So Neil Marshall himself, um, as I said, he's a fan of movies. He's a fan making a movie. And that is very, very evident in this movie when you look at all the um, Easter eggs. And he even said, I think I went a little bit over the top. But I am not complaining. I don't think I've heard anybody complain. When you when you re-watch this film, you can see um, the horror or action movie references to other films. And let's have a look at those. Let's go through a few of those. 
So this is trivia that I've picked up and some of the stuff I've researched off the internet for this episode. Um, so one that could pass you by is one of the soldiers called Bruce, um, and that is a reference to Bruce Campbell from The Evil Dead 1981. And a little bit of that does inspire the plot of Dog Soldiers, where it's in isolation in a barn. Some of the corpses hanging around in the basement were originally created for use on Event Horizon, the, movie, the sci-fi horror movie, and actor Sean Pertwee went on to go and star obviously in both of these films. The character Spoon makes a reference in the film about Rourke's Drift, um, the movie Zulu, and Sergeant Wells, uh, Sean Pertwee says, you know, be quiet now lads, that's a good gentleman, you'll upset the lads, which is a line from that movie, from the Colour Sergeant Ball. And obviously Zulu is a siege movie, which is in comparison to this. So that is just a name, just a few, I won't, there's a lot more on there, go check it out on the internet. Um, but um, just to mention whilst we're on this um, topic here, you had Simon Pegg, he was offered a part in the film, but he turned it down because he was working with Edgar Wright at the time, and he asked him, you know, it'd probably be worth you saving your first role for Shaun of the Dead. Uh, which was a massive hit in 2004 and I think maybe that's a good decision but equally I could have seen Simon Pegg in this film I don't think that would have done him no harm at all it wouldn't have done him any harm at all it's a shame we couldn't see him in this movie but I guess you can't have it both and to mention there is little to no CGI in this film uh, Neil Marshall said that CGI was being used too much in cinema at the time and he really wanted to concentrate on the story and the characters and he got that absolutely spot on. So there you go guys, I'll leave it at that. Um, check out all the other trivia on the internet, there is a ton of it, so it's all cool stuff. So let's get into this film, let's have a look at the movie. So the film starts off um, with Private Cooper, Kevin McKidd, and he's running through a forest in North Wales. And he is trying to join the special forces, but he fails um, because he refuses to shoot a dog. And he is returned to his unit by Captain Ryan. And then four weeks later, the squad of six um, of the regular British Army go into the Scottish Islands on a training exercise. And it is run by Sergeant Harry Wells. It's just played by Sean Pertwee. And then when you watch the beginning of this movie... If you hadn't seen the movie post or didn't know anything about this film, you could just say that this is just going to be a war movie of some sort, a British war movie in the woods or something like that. So you wouldn't necessarily know at this point that this is a werewolf horror movie, which I think is very clever. And then straight from the office is what I like. This is what drew, drew me straight into this film was the squaddy banter, the writing, the back and forth, Mick taking with each other. You know, the, it, it all runs at a very quick pace. There's a bit I like when Spoon says, you know, Sarge, I forgot my watch. And then Sean Pertwee says in his very dry sort of humour, he goes, well, you can have my watch, can't you? And then Spoon says, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, I'll just have to count, won't I? You know, so it's just, it's stuff like that. It, yeah, it just, as a audience, you are immediately sold with these characters and I think that's very clever that's your that's your building block with this so that's what I like about this film it spends a bit of time with these characters and um, they all gel together and even Private Cooper even though he's going for special forces there's no point that you feel like he is the outsider in this he's just come back to his team and he's gone I'm gonna help you lads out and even um, Harry Wells says you know it's good to have you back so then you've got them walking through the woods and there's another really good scene where they're all sat around the campfire, they're all telling 
stories or telling jokes, there's a bit of banter. And then there's a bit where Sean Perry tells the lads about um, his buddy Eddie Oswald, who got blown up by a bomb in Iraq, and he says that he had to pick him up in little pieces, but he said the thing that got him the most was when he found the tattoo of him, of his body intact, I think it was his arse or something like that. And he said he had a tattoo on there um, of a devil, and it was intact, and he just said the quote, God will save your soul and the devil will save your skin and I think that's kind of like a reference to the werewolves that turn up later so I think that's a clever clever little bit of writing there just sort of builds it up and then you get the horror element you sort of figure that this is the opening doors to the horror as such of you get a cow that's been mutilating it um, gets thrown down onto the fire and it's like a jump scene it was a jump scene for me when I watched it and then immediately after this I come across a special um, ops squad, um, Captain Ryan, he's the only survivor, everybody else has been mutilated and he's been wounded, he's got like lacerations on him and he's saying you know there should only have been one and then Sean Perkby says right lads that's it, this has become a real conflict situation that's load up and uh, they take all the, all the MP5s and the live ammunition and all the weapons that they can gather and this is kind of like where you've got like a little bit of a uh, Jaws element, you've got a POV of some of a werewolf running through the woods and they're being chased and they're firing back and they're running through the woods and this is where you get the first victim in this movie where Bruce uh, runs into a branch and he impales himself and um, then he gets taken away by, by one of the werewolves. And then at the same time, Sean Pertwee, he, he has confrontation with a werewolf and he tries to fire back and he gets lacerated as well and he has all his guts pouring out, which is quite a horrible scene. When I first watched this film, I thought, oh no, Sean's dead. But he's not, not just yet. So they, Kevin McKidd, um, Private Cooper, he rescues um, Sean Pertwee and they all manage to escape to the roadside where they're picked up by Megan in a Land Rover and she's a zoologist who lives in a lonely cabin in the middle of the woods and that's where they all haul up and that's where they're told that there are werewolves awaiting for them outside and this is where our heroes haul up in the cabin and they defend themselves against the werewolves outside and this week got like an amalgamation of aliens and the evil dead and it works so well you could even throw in Assault on Precinct 13 in there as well. It's almost like Neil Marshall's put in every one of his favourite movies together and it just sort of goes boom because you've got firefights, you've got explosions. you got Terry, who's the first victim to go down. He gets pulled through a window, so you're thinking, oh no, one of, one of the guys has been taken. You've then got Joe, who makes a desperate attempt to try and get out into the shed with a Land Rover. And then he gets taken out as well. You've got that lovely red flare scene where um, Cooper's outside and he's looking at the werewolves, and this kind of reminds me of the thing with R.J. McCready. You know that red flare in a movie in a seat, you know, in a dark um, cabin. It just creates that atmosphere, and this is where you see all the werewolves. It's just a great scene in the movie. And then you have got um, Sean Pertwee is upstairs, and he's you know being super glued together with his wounds. And then after a time, his, his wounds are starting to heal, and he's starting to say that is not right and he is beginning to turn into a werewolf himself and then you've got the Spoon character who's um, really getting into this a little bit more than he should he's almost to the point where he's starting to enjoy this siege and he is a badass he really does start to steal the show especially when um, 
he runs out of bullets and he looks around and he gets a hammer and he starts smacking the uh, werewolf's hand with a hammer. And there's also elements of the film Straw Dogs with uh, Dustin Hoffman from the 70s. And they use the boiling water to throw it at the werewolf. So they are really using every method to um, attack and to uh, fend themselves off. So of all methods of attack, they're running low on ammo, they're running low, low on choices. Um, you've then got a scene where where Captain Ryan turns into a werewolf and this is where Megan, you find out that Megan is a double cross and that she is actually part of this werewolf family and she turns into a werewolf herself. And so you've got a desperate attempt for our remaining heroes, Harry Wells, Private Cooper and Spoon, to make one final assault against the werewolves. Um, one desperate attempt and Spoon being the badass that he is goes into the kitchen and he's welding a big long sword and um, he gets taken out by the werewolves um, but not without throwing in one last classic line saying I hope I give you the shits <laughs> it's brilliant and then um, Private Cooper and Harry Wells they they escape by dropping through the floor and then they end up in the kitchen as well and uh, Wells cuts through a gas line and he tells Cooper to go into the basement because he says that, you know, I'm going to turn into a werewolf. So he's going to go out on a blaze of glory and he blows up the barn. You get this massive explosion, this proper explosion. Like I said earlier, I imagine that was some proper TNT that went off there for this movie as well. So then you've got Cooper who's in the, um, he's in the basement and he has one final standoff with a werewolf, which I believe to be Captain Ryan who's got a longsword impaled through him. So they have one final fight, you think Cooper's going to get killed by this longsword but he reaches out and he gets this tiny little silver dagger and he punches it into his head, gets destroyed. And to mention, I forgot to mention at the beginning, that's um, a small dagger from one of the victims right at the beginning of the movie where there's a couple that get taken out from a um, tent in the woods. So you kind of got something that happens at the beginning, ha happens in the end. And then Cooper comes out with one final line, which is, um, and for any of the American listeners, it was a uh, there was a TV, sports TV show um, kicking around at the time called They Think It's All Over, and they talk about sports and football and all that sort of thing. And because there was a football match going on at the time, it was England versus Germany. It's kind of like a reference to that. Private Cooper just classically comes out and says, They think it's all over? It is now. Boom, and that's it. It's just an absolute brilliant way to... Uh, to finish off this movie um, with all the one-liners and that that we've had throughout and that is it uh, Private Cooper is the last man standing he's just um, walking around all the uh, debris of the of the barn very much like the end scene of Predator with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger you know Dutch walking around the, um, the you know the forest which has just been blown up by a nuke so there's a little bit there's all these references in this film when you look at this film everything is there but there is no criticism there I like it. I don't know anybody that faults this movie. Um, it's a great film. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you have seen it, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. So um, that is it, guys. That is Dog Soldiers. But um, yeah, I'll put a post on Facebook just to say if anybody wants to mention any questions about this film. And I've got Matthew Tangent, uh, my good buddy Matt. <laughs> He's got exactly the same interest as me when it comes to films. 
And he said, I watched this one without having seen a preview and actually had heard nothing about it. I think it was pretty close to when it first came out on cable TV. I was astounded at how awesome it was. The energy and the sheer menace of the werewolves was impressive. The cast of characters is so good and developed properly so when things went south I found myself really caring about the outcome. Definitely in my top 5 favourite werewolf movies. Thank you for that Matt. And that just goes to show you know, when we talk about this film that's the sort of response that you get from people. And my good buddy Ricky Morgan, he says that he's his third favourite werewolf movie. Um, his first two being American Werewolf in London and The Howling, which are excellent movies. Um, go check him out. He's got a couple of podcast shows, The Howling, Power Hour, and he's recently doing the House of Wax podcast, so go check those out. And then I've also got Ricky Morgan's um, co-host on from The Howling, Power Hour, Danny Bennett. And he says, oh, I love Dog Soldiers, such a fun premise. It's kind of like Wolf and Me meets Overlord. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of what it's like. So, so thanks, that, guys. That's exactly the sort of response I get when I talk about this film. So, it's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that's it, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, I will be returning soon with a movie from 2011, and it's Ryan Gosling's Drive. So, going to talk about that film. Um, so, look out for that. And I'm uh, going to close the show. Um, before I close the show, just a little bit of admin. Um, so I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Uh, please check out all the other shows there. I'll have a little advert at the end of the show, but um, going through all the different shows on there. And you can find the show on iTunes and Stitcher. And I've also got a Facebook page, which is great. I'm having a lot of fun on there. So um, join in, post... Uh, Put some stuff on there, put some movies on there if there's anything you want me to have a look at. So that's it guys, um, take care and I will see you guys soon. this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark mental health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.